Look in 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 and uh, verse 18. Uh, he's telling us a little bit about doing well, doing the right things. Then he says in verse 18, servants, servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the froward. Now you can see the word to, word toward and froward, uh, to and from. And whenever you see those two words, there's those who to truth and from truth. There's people who are not doing according to truth, and they can defraud you. They, they wrong you. You still treat them right. Still do right. If you do right only because people are doing you right, what reward should you get? As he says in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, you, what have you done if you simply love those who love you? It's when you love those who don't love you. Now you're doing something. Now you're going above something. So when you understand that, you understand a little bit more about where Paul's coming from. Because um, go to Philemon, the book of Philemon, and look in verse 1. In verse 1, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, he was a, a bond slave, and he's also called a prisoner, a doulos. He says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. Now, Paul believes and calls, you know, Timothy and Philemon, they are, we are our brothers. These are ours. I mean, we are brothers in the Lord. And so he's recognized, now, Paul had a great impact upon Philemon. And so um, he kind of mentions that a little bit as it goes along here. And then he says this, not only the word our brother there, but in verse 2, and our beloved Alphia and Archippus, our fellow soldiers, and to the church in thy house. So here's a man who has a church in his house. So he's a, a leader. He's a good man, a godly man. And he has two things in his favor. One is faith and one is love. And so he demonstrates that. So you look down there in verse 5. He said, now I thank God because of you. And I make mention of you in my prayers. But then in verse 5, Hearing of, see that word, thy love and faith, which thou hadst toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. Now, faith is the source from which love is derived. See, if you have faith in what God's word says, then it teaches you to love one another. So your faith in the Lord is so important and faith in doctrine because, you see, we don't just love according to feelings. If you wait till you have the feelings, uh, you're going to be greatly deceived. We are to love people because God has commanded us to love. But see, in our minds, we think, well, if I don't love you, I don't love you. I just don't love you. Uh, love is a command. You're told to do that. Love one another. Husbands, love your wife. That's, that's a command. It means that you, love is a choice. Love not the world. Set your affections on things above. See, you can choose what to love and you can choose what not to love. And so your obedience to God, if I love God and God says, love your wife. All right, then I have to provide and take care and protect and feed and all the things that God wants me to do. Then I do that. Why? Because I love God. And so your faith in what God says 
is the basis for your love for one another. And so Philemon had love because of his faith. If you want to grow in love, grow in your faith in what God says to do. And it'll, it'll work. Now, look what else he says here. You see, faith has its object in the Lord, but love is directed by or to all of God's people. So when he makes this statement here and toward all saints, he's going to let Philemon know, I'm going to ask you to do something that's beyond just loving the saints. Uh, there's a guy that used to work for you, and he ran away, and he wound up in jail. And guess who was in jail? Uh, Paul was. Paul went to jail. Well, lo and behold, here's Onesimus, and he's in jail, and Paul leads him to Christ. He trusts the Lord. Paul teaches him. In one of the other books, it talks about, in the last chapter, about how God using this uh, man named Onesimus. And he had also brought back, no doubt, a couple of the books, and uh, like maybe Ephesians and Colossians and uh, the book of Philemon. He wrote, came back with these letters, and um, God used this young man. But he had maybe wronged, but Paul didn't say he did. He says, if he has wronged you, if. He says, just put it on my tab. I'll take care of it. But there's something that Paul is doing. It's kind of like he's setting them up. I told you all this before. We used to have a bowling alley. And years ago, they didn't have these automatic pin setters. The only thing was automatic is you. You got in there, and you had to stand inside, and you get onto the side of that thing, and they'd throw that ball down there, and they had a thing up there. You could see them, but they couldn't see you. And that ball come down there and just throws those pins everywhere, and they're just flying. And you try not to get killed. Then afterwards, you got down there and you set up those pins, moved the bad ones out of the way, and you reset some of the ones right in the right spot. Then you get back up out of the way, and then here comes it again. Why do you set those pins up? So you can knock them down. He's going to set them up so you can knock them down. He's got something you're going to hit him with. And he was a good man, a godly man, and Paul knows that you owe me. But he doesn't want to use that, but he wants to let him know that he could, but he's not going to. <laughs> the way he words it is awesome. But look what he says here in verse 6. Now, Paul says to Philemon, I have one more, and this is an effectual illustration for us to show God's love. Now, this is the real test. See, Paul is letting Philemon know, you know, it's one thing to love all of those that are so lovable. And you got a church in your house, and everything going great, and... Well, we have heard about your love and your faith. I mean, you made an impact. He said, but um, I got something else for you. So he made this statement here. Look in verse 6. That the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. In other words, God wants us to demonstrate our love and our faith in every way. And this is like saying, I've got one more good idea for you. One more way. What about a slave? What about somebody that worked for you and he ran off? Now, there's somebody that you get a chance to demonstrate really the Christian faith. Now, in our Christian life, it's so easy to be nice and kind to those who are nice and kind, isn't it? But do you ever have somebody that's not nice and kind? They're just mean and cantankerous. 
and you want to be the same way back to him. Look what he says. In verse 7, he says, For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of thy saints are refreshed by thee, brother. In other words, your love is so encouraging. Your love is so encouraging. And it's like, I'm going to ask you a request, and I want you to, um, well, I want you to cheer me up. Remember, where's Paul? He's in prison. And I want you to cheer me up. I want to know that you're going to do this, but I already know that you're going to do it. And you're going to even do more than I'm asking you to do. This is what he says to him. Now, if you get this letter and you read it, how could you let Paul down? How could you not do what Paul wanted to have done? So he says in verse 8, so Paul has set him up. Instead of saying, you know, you owe me, Paul requests. He says, wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient. In other words, it's a lot easier on me just to say, do this and order him and boss him around. But that's not what Paul wants. He wants him to do it because he really wants to do it. Because Paul is using, you know, we've heard about your great faith and your love to all the saints. Well, here's one more. A runaway slave. And I'm going to send him back to you. And I want you to receive him just as though you were receiving me. He's coming in my stead. So he says here in verse 9, Yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such as one as Paul, you ought to underline this. I don't like it, but you ought to underline it. Paul the aged. And now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And he was a real prisoner. He really was. He was a love slave of the Lord, but he was also in jail. He says, I beseech thee for my son. Means he led him to the Lord. Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. While I'm in jail, I got a young man to trust Christ as Savior. And he'd been teaching him the word. He says, when you had him, when you had him as a slave, he was, um, he was no use to you. He was unprofitable. He says, but now, see there in verse 11, which in time past was to you the unprofitable, but now profitable to you and to me. Now he's valuable. I was talking to Freddie Cole yesterday on the phone. I think it was yesterday. And I told him, I says, you sent about three or four guys down here. And I says, and they didn't know anything. We've trained them and sent them back to you. Now don't mess them up. <laughs> didn't I tell them that? <laughs> He says, they were all straightened out before they got down there. So we had a little fun on the phone. And uh, I just thought, because I was asking him a request, I said, it's not that you owe me anything. But, you know, you are one of our missionaries, and, you know, we have been supporting you quite well. But now I don't want there to be any pressure put upon you whatsoever. Because I remember the story of Philemon. But anyway, look what he says there in verse 12. Whom I have sent him back to you again. Thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels. In other words, as though it was me in tender mercies, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. In other words, I wouldn't mind keeping him here so that he can minister in your place. As though you were here, he would be taking your place. But I'm going to send him back to you. 
In verse 14, but without thy mind, in other words, without your permission, I won't do that. But without thy mind, would I do nothing. That thy benefit should not be as though you had to. As it were of necessity, but willingly. I want you to do this willingly. This is why it's such an effective illustration on going beyond just loving those that are lovable or somebody, this is somebody who has wronged you. How do you receive them? How do you treat them? Anyway, look at this. He says here in verse 15, For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou should have received him forever. In other words, he left you for a little while, but you're going to get him for a big while. He's going to come back and be more valuable to you than when he was before. So he says in verse 16, Not now as a slave, but above a slave, above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me. But how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. In other words, you're getting a saved man back who knows the Lord, loves the Lord, wants to walk with the Lord. And think of how much more valuable he is to you now. And I think anybody who comes here from wherever they come, we got Connor back there. I think he's back there. Yeah, he's sleeping. Uh, got Connor back there. He came to us, and we hope that whenever he leaves, he leaves richer. We hope that he's learned something while he's here. And that's questionable, I know. But he's, learned, he's back there right now learning how to do the sound system. Ain't that good? I think it's great. When John John goes back, I want him to go back richer than when he came. We, we're hoping that we're putting enough good stuff into him that he increases in value and that he becomes a blessing to wherever he goes. And so we got to tell him up there, look, please take John and use him. Please take John and use him. We're sending them back to you. He was no good here. No. We want you to use him. We want him to be a blessing to you. Now look at the next statement. In verse 17, if, now it's two ifs in these two words, if. If thou count me therefore a partner, I want you to treat him as a brother. Receive him as myself. In other words, if you think you and me, we're in the same ministry, we're partners for the cause of Christ. And he's as valuable also. So if you can receive me, I want you to receive him. You think Paul's using any leverage here or anything? I think maybe a little bit, huh? And then he says there in verse 8, If, if he has wronged thee or oweth thee ought, put that on mine account. Like he's in prison, he's going to pay for it. Yeah, right. <laughs> but he also scares Philemon to death. He told him, he says, look. I'm planning on coming to see you. By the way, I'm coming to see you. He said, how do you know that? Well, I just know that. Because I've already read another verse. You haven't read it yet. See, in verse 22. But with all, prepare me also a lodging. What would that mean? I'm a coming. I'm coming. Let's him know that Paul's coming. So if Paul is coming, the great apostle Paul, what do you think you're going to do with Onesimus? You think you would say, no, I'm not going to do it. Or do you think you're going to show him love like you would the Apostle Paul? I think so. See there in verse 19, when it talks about, now this is a good illustration. Put that on my account. If he is wrong, put it on my account. 
This is what Jesus is like saying, uh, Father, if they wrong you, just put that on my account. I'll pay for it. So he says here in verse 19, I, Paul, have written it with my own hands. I will repay it. Howbeit, I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self beside. <laughs> I see humor in some of this. I really do. It's not just that it's just words there. It's like Paul says, you know, I'm not going to say anything about what you owe me. Well, what's he doing? He's doing it. I mean, the man must have read Dale Carnegie's book on how to win friends I've influenced. Is that how that book goes? How to win friends and influence people? How to win friends I've influenced. <laughs> Funny. So he says here in verse 20, Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. In other words, do me a favor. Cheer me up. Make me glad that I did what I did, and I sent him back to you. And he's going back richer. And you may have lost him for a little while, but he's going to come back good. This is what I wanted some of them to notice up there in Freddie Cole and the people at Northside Baptist Church. You may have let us have these guys for a, a little while, but I think they're going to go back richer and do a greater job. If they had stayed, I don't think they would do as much. But I think they'll do a better job in the long run. Don't you agree with that, John John? Yes, you better agree with that. <laughs> I'm not saying you owe me. In verse 21, having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. You see anything in that verse? Is there a vote of confidence that he really believes this is going to produce? Results, having confidence in thy obedience. How can you let him down? How can you let a man down to write to you like that? And Paul, a man in prison. But you know, he might have just looked at that guy and says, he's just a man in prison. He's not worth talking to. But Paul talked to him and he trusts Christ as Savior. Paul didn't know when he started probably witnessing to him that, you know, he was a runaway slave from a close personal friend of the Apostle Paul. Sometimes you find out there might be some people you can't reach. Don't worry about it. Just reach the ones you can. Sometimes the one that you do reach will wind up reaching the ones you couldn't reach. Don't it make sense? So while Paul was in prison, that I might win souls. I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Romans in chapter 12. And we'll close there, but I want you to see this. Romans chapter 12, I've done this before, and I want to do it one more time. Because I believe that this is something so important for all of us to keep in mind. When it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that you win souls. By the mercies of God, that you win souls. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Why? That you might win souls. Holy. Why? That you might win souls acceptable unto God, that you might win souls, which is your reasonable service, that you might win souls. Be not conformed to this world, why? That you might win souls. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, why? That you might win souls. 
that you may prove what is good. Why? That you might win souls. And acceptable. Why? That you might win souls. And perfect. Why? That you might win souls. The will of God is that you might win souls. You see, you can put that in a lot of places and it'll make sense to your purpose in life. So regardless of what you do, we may have a Christmas musical we put on, but the purpose is to win some souls. We don't know. We just keep planting seeds. It's just like I had a guy come to see me yesterday. And he, him and his wife sat down in, and his name is Dave Adams. Dave Adams. And so anyway, I'm sitting there talking to them, and they said, we was over there in uh, Orlando. And uh, they saw Mary over there. And they told me, says, that Mary's something else. I perked up if I want to know. What did she do? And he says, it didn't matter where they went. She's passing out tracts, you know, like she's supposed to, and talking. And passing out. They said, we were ashamed that we weren't doing it. So Mary, that's, I told him, I says, a lot of women in our church do that. You, you don't have to be a preacher, but you can sow, sow, sow some seeds. You can leave a tract. Betty likes leaving that little card, you know, that, that thing you do on the thing. She wants some more of them. But she, she enjoys passing those things out and leaving them somebody because that's uh, just another way that, uh, you know, she can do it. But pass out tracks. You ought to always carry something with you. If you, can, you can just, at least you can just drop seeds. Handfuls on purpose. Read the book of Ruth and you'll find out handfuls on purpose. Anyway, there's a sermon there somewhere. There is. There's a sermon there. Anyway, now you know about Onesimus. Look up here. This is you and me. This is how we explain the gospel. You ought to learn how to do this by now. You ought to be able to do it in your sleep. I thought it was so funny the other night. And he tells me he does this. And that's Lynn. He, he goes to bed and he plays the CD because he can go right to sleep with me talking. But he was dreaming, <laughs> he was dreaming that I was witnessing to him, and then he kept trying to say something, then I wouldn't shut up. <laughs> he said, every time I tried to say something, he would just keep on talking. And then he woke up and realized, he'd been listening to that CD. <laughs> I really didn't know if I was having a compliment or, you know, this is you and me, wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. Now, he hates our sin, but he loves us. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from the Lord in a place called hell. God loves us, wants us to go to heaven. But to go to heaven, you have to be perfect. And nobody is perfect. Nobody's good enough. I've had people say, you mean I'm not good enough? That's it. You're not good enough. No, you're not. And everybody always wants to think they're good enough. No, no, you're not good enough. It's like wanting to sing in the choir. Oh, I'm not good enough. I want to sing a special. You're not good enough. I want to go to heaven. You're not good enough. But they can get bent out of shape quick. But anyway, God loves us, but he hates our sin. Because we sin, we have to be eternally separated from God. God will not let one sin into heaven. So the Bible says, we've all sinned. We're all condemned. And the Bible says you cannot earn eternal life. You cannot work your way to heaven. And if we die without doing something about this, we're going to be eternally separated from God in hell. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh, came into the world because, well, he loved us. 
but he hates our sin. So he took the sin, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. And God said if we believe he did it for us, he'd put the payment to our account. We get to go to heaven on what Christ did for us. It's a simple illustration, but it helps people to see, to understand. But whatever you do, if you don't do this, at least give them a track. Sow seeds. And remember, everything that we do, what's the purpose of college? What are we trying to teach kids to be? Soul winners. If you don't want to be a soul winner, don't need to be there. It's just that simple. If that's not what our purpose and goal is, why do it? There's got to be a reason. One that drives us more than anything else in the whole world. We don't change. It really blessed my little pea-picking heart whenever Jesse told me, he says, I don't heard listen to that Dr. Stanford little 26-minute video. He said, three times? I listened to it again this morning. He's on the verge of dedication. <laughs> but it just, just plain simple, it just brings it back to what is the purpose. And I wish we had more people that would understand this. I really do. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I pray that you would. And also, if you're watching by internet, the best thing you can do, the wisest thing you could ever do. Man had to be a fool to turn down a free gift. And if you'll trust Christ as your Savior, God said he would save you, give you eternal life, and you can know that you're going to heaven because Christ paid for all of your sins. The only reason anybody's going to heaven is because we believe Christ paid for our sins. So therefore, I don't have to pay for them. And I pray that you'd believe that. But also, each one of y'all that's in this room, understand how important it is. Don't start drifting. Stay on course. Finish your race. Finish well. Remember what the purpose and the goal is. We like the firehouse fight because we want to draw people in. We want people on the internet, the YouTube. We get people probably three or four a day that trust the Lord somewhere in the world just because of the work that's been done in that area. And how many from the radio ministry? I don't know. They had a couple trust the Lord from Awana, a couple trust the Lord from the ranch the other night. Then those that go Friday night so went in. They had some trust the Lord. But see, there's a reason for doing it. The reason we give our money is so we can try to keep the buses running, the lights on, the insurance paid, all these things. Whatsoever our hands find us to do, to do it with all our might. Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for your love for us. And we pray that uh, we will learn to love one another as we should. And not to be a respecter of persons. As we learn from tonight about Paul talking to Philemon about a love slave. And Father, we just want to have an impact in people's lives and help us to remember the purpose, the goal. Bless this church. We ask your blessings upon those that are facing surgery this week and some next week, some next month. But Lord, we just want your will to be done in our lives. And we're going to go from one thing to the next, we know that. But help us to realize you walk us through it and us to trust you. Thank you for this church, what it stands for, and for the gospel's sake. In Christ's name we pray, amen.